welcome to Sean and Dave Make Music. I hope you're all enjoying your quarantine situation, whatever that may be. Hopefully you're staying home and staying safe and staying sane. This one was recorded pre-pandemic, so you won't hear us talking about that at all. Won't that be a treat? We had a great time catching up with Evan and recording some tunes together. I didn't really know what to expect from this collaboration, and we went in some fun directions that kind of surprised me. Evan is a real metal guitar virtuoso, but we didn't dip our toes into that genre this episode at all, which might be a good thing to be honest, because I fear Dave and I may have been left in the dust. Instead, we did some music that grooved, some that flowed, and some that was downright happy. Hazard. The theme you heard at the beginning featured Dave on bass and keys, Evan on guitar, and me on drums, and it was our first version done in seven. Speaking of awkward, hello and welcome to Sean and Dave Make Music. We're here with Evan Bradley. Welcome, Evan. Hello, thanks for having me. You're welcome. And it's a little bit uh, different this week. Normally, by the time you hear us say this, we've made a whole bunch of music together, but we're doing things a little differently, and we decided to get to know each other through words first, <laughs> brainstorm a little bit, talk about what we want to do. And um, so if we feel extra awkward or more uncomfortable, that's why. We haven't made music together, all three of us, ever, yet, but we will. It's today's mission. Today's mission. And Dave and Evan have never met. I've known Evan for a while, but we haven't seen each other for a while because, you know, life being adults. I, I've disrupted the whole <laughs> ecosystem of this podcast. Oh, well, it, it, I think it's a welcome change. I think, yeah. we'll, uh, <laughs> I think we'll find our bearings and it will be great. So, Evan is a really phenomenal guitarist. I don't want to put you in a box and say that you're a metal guitarist, though you do specialize in more hard, you know, hard rock metal, things like that. I'm going to get your thoughts on labels and things like that today, but you, you, you're wearing a Pat Metheny shirt right now. Uh, I know he's a big influence of yours. We'll talk some more about that and kind of want to pick your brain about a few different things. So first of all, tell us a little bit about like what, what first sparked your passion in, in music? Was it a specific artist? Was it a specific genre? And did it come from listening or from playing? I usually kind of boil it down to two main catalysts, I guess, which were Metallica and Joe Satriani. Um, the Satriani part of the equation really came from my dad. Um, <laughs> even though I'm really the only musician in like my entire family, <laughs> even, you know, including cousins and stuff, <clears throat> my, my parents are always listening to music mm -hmm. and my dad had a big, um, when Satch kind of came into his radar, it had a big impact on him. Um, and as far as like instrumental guitar players go, he's definitely one of the more accessible ones. Mm, okay. <clears throat> Where it's not just just shredding endlessly. <laughs> right, a lot of melodic <laughs> stuff. For minutes on end, yeah. He yeah. really creates melodies with his guitar. Um, so that was kind of, you know, I at least had that in my head you know, the Satriani stuff, even if I wasn't listening to it, you know, purposefully. <laughs> mm -hmm. Were you at all resistant to your parents' music when you were young, or did it it pretty much, um, I don't know, jive with you right away? I would definitely say I was more into the stuff my dad was listening to. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember, like, when I was a really young kid, my mom would be listening to, like, Enya and shit okay. like that. Be like... Yeah, I just wasn't into that at all. <laughs> you can't connect uh, with I, that. I doubt many, like, five to ten-year-olds are big into Enya. 
But I don't know. I guess it, you <laughs> probably was, had to have that really... was her peak, though. I'm guessing you're talking like late yeah, 80s, early this, 90s. This that been, was yeah, you... probably mid mid to late 90s. Got to have a real <clears> specific <throat> type of upbringing to have that speak to you at that age, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely stuff that, especially like guys like Bruce Springsteen, mm. who that's like my parents' favorite artist, nice. and I never disliked him, but I kind of had to rediscover him on my own later Mm -hmm. you know and just listen to him you know at my own pace or whatever (laughs) and you know discover what i liked about him yeah it's not always going to be the hits that exactly to you and that's probably what you heard over and over and over and over and over again to an extent well especially if you're listening to like satriani like springsteen's gonna seem like i I grew up in jersey so of course i love him up there but like I mean, he's going to sound like very sing-songy and very, yeah. yeah. Obviously a very different, yeah, <laughs> very different style. <clears throat> not, not much commonality there. Interesting. And when did you start playing guitar? I assume that was your first instrument, but correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. And first, and I would pretty much say only. Only. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can dick around on stuff, but by no means would I call myself like a bassist. You know, people say, can you play bass? I'm like technically yeah i mean it's it's interesting like how much of your skill translates and how much of it doesn't yeah like, it's i can this... play the instrument but the way that instrument is supposed to function right, right. is not in my like dna gotcha <laughs> all right and uh let's pause for just a second because now dog thinks he's alone and he's barking so i'll go uh down there hang on that will likely happen again. <laughs> I realized I didn't answer the first part of your question as to when I started. Okay. Uh, it was right when I turned 11. Oh, okay. So that's oh. sort of... I'm not really late, but you, you weren't a... It's not necessarily early. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think... Uh, interesting. Um, and, and it was because you were listening to a lot of music that had cool guitar parts, and you were like, I want to play that specifically? Yeah. Pretty much. Like, I remember my first guitar lesson, which is where I teach now in in Kennett, but my guitar teacher, he showed me just a single string version of a Metallica riff. Mm. Uh, It was Wherever I May Roam. Nice. I was like, this is it. (laughs) Nice. Did you come in there being like, I want to learn Metallica, or did he just pull that out and it was fake? I'm pretty sure... uh, he had asked me, you know, like what bands I like. And, mm-hmm. You know, Metallica yeah. was number one, undisputed. <laughs> so, yeah. And was, he, he and I are on a very similar wavelength as far as, you know, musical tastes. So, I'm I feel sure like, he, Yeah, that helps a lot, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Was there a song that you were, like, determined to play when you first got started? Like, your, your one that you're like, we're going to work to learn that. Yeah, your Everest. <laughs> um... I don't think there really was one. Oh. Um, I mean, definitely not at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, whatever you want to throw at me, I'll just... I was the kid who went home right after the lesson and, you know, practiced it right then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And then I was waiting the rest of the week. You know, when's my next <laughs> lesson? <laughs> um, I, I think I'm the, I don't have any of those kids, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was not, not that kid. No, I was, I, I was determined kid, to learn Johnny Be Good, though. That was my... Oh, okay. <laughs> back to the Future had a big influence on Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and there's more barking. I'm going to bring him up. <laughs> 
First up today, we have an example of Evans playing for you to hear. It's a solo arrangement he did of How's It Going to Be by Third Eye Blind, and it's lush and intricate and beautiful all in equal measure. teacher Darren definitely uh, expanded my my scope. I mean, when I started, it was like Metallica and Megadeth, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all I, I care about. Um, and I still love those bands, but um, another one that kind of surprises people, I guess, or you don't necessarily hear it in my playing would be Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, okay. um, a lot of really cool guitar work on their stuff, and unique tone and just a unique band hmm. um aforementioned springsteen although like like i said kind of later on is when i really started appreciating his his work um steely dan oh, i yeah. love steely dan again kind of later hmm. <laughs> um that's another one i would hear my parents listening to but then i kind of went back and 
discovered them on my own. Realized they were actually onto something. <laughs> Talk about a unique band. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> like, the most I've listened to them was when I used to work at the store with you when guys. When I would play Asia, um, you guys would play it all like, the time. every goddamn day. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm in the similar game where Steely Dan is a blind spot. Like, mm -hmm. I, I know some of their tunes, but I feel like it's every time somebody puts them in front of me, it's like, when I start to listen in and I'm like, oh, this is really, like, very virtuosic, well-crafted. Yeah. But, like, it's so... It's not that it's easy listening, but it's so placid and relaxed on its surface that it really, like, it It doesn't sound hard. And then you look at it and you're yep. like, oh, oh, damn, yeah. Deceptively complex. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're working real hard to sound that laid back. It's <laughs> like... You could never hear a song like uh, Kid Charlemagne on the radio now. That's when I don't, once again, blind spot. I'd have to hear it. I would hear it. And uh, I'd, one yeah, I don't of know the, any of the names. One of the <laughs> legendary guitar solos of all time was, in that tune. We will plug in that little clip right here. Uh, might. Larry yeah. Carlton. <laughs> I'm of the opinion, uh, we, we've talked about this on other episodes, that some some instruments are, are objectively better than others. <laughs> and I will admit that I think guitar is one of the best instruments. Like, it really, it, it's, it, it had its heyday, and I think for a reason. I mean, it's become the basis of several different genres of music, and it really is so versatile, especially with, I mean, even without effects, if you were to just play acoustic, there's an insane amount of ground you can cover on that, and sounds you can get out of it so I, I, it's a really great instrument <laughs> i mean you're not going to get an argument from me <laughs> no but uh yeah there's so many ways to play a note mm -hmm. like yeah right 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 <laughs> and um that kind of leads me to two in two different directions one is i'm sitting here looking at your guitar and it's a, is it a seven string or is it an eight string that's a seven yeah. okay i and, haven't uh taking the plunge into eight string world i don't know that i ever will but who knows i think you you can get by on seven <laughs> what is the eight string tuned to is it higher or is it lower uh i've seen people string it either way okay. but typically it's an extra low so you have with the seven it's an extra low b and then mm -hmm. usually with an eight it'll be uh an extra low f sharp oh yeah <laughs> i don't know if that's necessary yeah yeah, some bands have gotten by without having bass players, mm, like, right, yeah, like Animals as Leaders. Yeah. Gotcha. You're basically in the same frequency range at that yeah. point. That makes sense. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> you no, know, go ahead. I'm just curious. So you've got, uh, we'll just say it over the mic, it's an Ernie Ball Music Man Majesty. My only uh, experience with uh, like Music Man stuff is as a bass player. So I was curious, like, what is the, for you, what's the appeal of this guitar? Like, what are its advantages? I mean, this is a. I'm curious. I've never seen like in-person music man guitars, really. So yeah, um, yeah. Like you, most people would primarily associate music man with like the stingray bass. Yeah, just slap bass kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, my biggest influence, John Petrucci of Dream Theater. This is his. Gotcha. Not the very latest iteration of his signature guitar, but kind of the redesign. Um, it was much more conventional looking when they first introduced his 
his uh, signature line. Okay. Basically like a super strat. Oh. Um, <clears throat> with this, you know, you have the really deep cutaways and kind of the sharper horns. Yeah. Um, and that hole. So you can get all yeah, those needles. Yeah, how high up? Exactly. Or how high up does that go for the frets? Is it? Uh, 24. 24. Wow. Yeah. But speaking of frets, the way it's designed, and this was actually the first neck through one that they did. Oh, okay. All of his others were bolt-on previously. Gotcha. But the way the neck is, you know, the neck joint is designed, you can get all the way up to that 24th fret with no, yeah. nothing in your way. Nice. That's cool. Which is very rare. <laughs> mm-hmm. And even, like, not that you would really want to play the low B <laughs> on the 24th fret, but you can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> so it probably um, gets great sustain then, too. Yeah, just... Playability wise, I've never played anything better. Sweet. Not that I'm a guy who goes through gear like crazy. You know, I know some players who like, yeah, you know, yeah. We, we know some people <laughs> from our, our accent days. Just goes yeah. <laughs> They'll just be every other week. Ah, I sold this and got this instead. Yeah. It's just for one thing, it's too much work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather just find something I like and. Play it. That's not the hobby I, I enjoy. Gear swapping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people love that, but mm-hmm. well, I think I in, the, I like. in the guitar world, it's uh, I can I can understand <clears throat> it more so because you might get you might get sick of your sound, or you might just uh, I think in a lot of ways different equipment can lead you to different ways of expressing yourself because maybe you you can get a sound out of one amp that you can't get out of another or you know this pedal or whatever um when when thinking of tone in in the guitar world it's so different there's so many different options um and it's it's interesting i mean i I, i'm a flutist i worked really hard and i mean i guess i did pay a lot of money to develop my tone because i went to school but like more so it was just time but you could spend as much money as you want to, to f- try to find the perfect guitar tone and it still might not happen. How did you go through the process of deciding what your tone want, you, you know, wanted to be? And did, were you thinking of emulating different people when you were buying your equipment? What kind of went into that process? Yeah. And just to kind of piggyback on, you know, what we were just talking about, like the, the search for tone and di- getting different results with different equipment. That is definitely true. However, I find that, especially these days, a lot of guitar players, like, you know, in the internet age, mm-hmm. they kind of use that as a crutch. Like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. just always searching for the next thing. Mm-hmm. And they're and that, not doing enough actual playing. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that <laughs> is, is applicable Whereas to I've, a lot of people. I've always kind of been the opposite. Like, yeah, I like this guitar. You know, I'll just stick with it. And I'm, I've never been like the the super tone chaser guy mm-hmm. the tone is more inside <laughs> you than i it guess is i mean i've always been more of a player than a than a tech guy mm-hmm. um especially like when it comes to like switching out pickups or switching out parts on my guitar like when it comes to electronics i just stay away <laughs> not worth it <laughs> I don't think it's worth it. Yeah. There's I, enough options of guitars out there. You can buy one that's going to come and you're going to be happy with it. I've always yeah. been of that mindset. It's like, why don't I just buy something I like to begin with? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, unless you like fiddling with things, which... Some people do. Some people, Some people do. love that aspect yeah. of it. 
The first track from our session we've got to present today is an improvisation that kind of grew out of a riff that Evan had just been warming up with. He played electric guitar, of course, Dave played djembe, and I played flute. Thank you. 
definitely, like, again, Petrucci is my biggest influence and has been for uh, over a decade. I don't even know how long. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've kind of always modeled my sound and style after him. Okay. Like, just spending hours learning the Dream Theater songs and <laughs> just you know, using his, like, Rock Discipline book. Oh, yeah, okay. for yeah, you know, like chromatic exercises and all wh- whatever you can think of. Cool. It's like kind of, he was always the the benchmark. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Have you gotten to work with him at all? Didn't you? You met him for some thing, didn't yes. you? Yes. That's kind that of like. Um. So there was a contest in 2016, uh, with Music Man and basically all of John's companies that he works with, like Dunlop Picks, Ernie Ball. You know, you name it. Um, the It was called Match the Master. And the idea was he took 10 riffs from their new album, played them, you know, just on a YouTube video. And your task was to play them as closely to oh, cool. him as possible. So for me, it was like the perfect opportunity. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know his style pretty damn well at this mm-hmm. point. And... So what I did, this kind of started me down the path that I'm on now, (laughs) which is transcribing other artists' material. Mm -hmm. So just simply having the video of him playing the riffs makes it so much easier. easier. (laughs) Because, you know, I can just download the video and slow it down if I need to, you know, get like every single pick stroke. Like, is he picking that? Is he pulling off? Is he hammering on? All that stuff. Every little detail I wanted to be exact. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, I ended up winning the contest, which was like, I was honestly pretty confident, but you never know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> was, was, that, was there voting involved or was it just them that decided? Um, I forget. I... There were ways to accumulate points okay. on the, the website. Um, it mainly came down to views. Oh, like, okay. each view, you would get a point. And the way it worked, since there were ten riffs, you had ten separate videos. Okay. So, assuming you played all ten of the riffs, that gives you the best chance of you know, mm-hmm. yeah. keeping those points going up. That's a hell of a project for a contest. Um, and then you could have, if people signed up to follow your channel, you know, you got like ten extra points or something. Okay. So, of course, I was spamming everybody. <laughs> hey, just, just sign up. You don't even have to do anything after that. <laughs> Um, so I won that, which was like totally surreal. You know, the guy from Ernie Ball called me and That's said, awesome. you know, John says it's a no brainer. <laughs> like, That's awesome. Yeah. Like, not even close. Wow. Sweet. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And did you win that guitar? Actually, I already owned that one. Okay. <laughs> that one I got right at the tail end of uh, our accent days. Oh, okay. Um, but I actually won a six string version of that well they let you decide whatever you know color combination mm-hmm. everything yeah, yeah. you wanted so i was like i already have a seven <laughs> sweet <laughs> so we'll get a six yeah, yeah. For, um, uh, a little light a little lighter slew of other gear which is incredible that's awesome but yeah the kind of the centerpiece of that whole thing was a, a master class with him okay and that actually came about very quickly <laughs> Quicker than I had I had anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, I had already had tickets to see them. This was like in April of 2016. 
And the initial plan was they were going to fly me out to L.A. to do the master class because that's where Ernie Ball is located. You know, they'd have, you know, everyone taking pictures and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I had mentioned, you know, I already have tickets to see them at the Tower Theater. And this was like three days. <laughs> <laughs> they called me on a Tuesday or, you know, they announced the winner on a Tuesday mm -hmm. and the show was on a Friday. And it turned out that when they were, the band was going to be in L.A., they were going to be shooting a video, and, like, they weren't going to have time to, uh, Okay. Know. And they were like, uh, let's do a Friday. It's like, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> like, no time to prepare or, you know, think of what except I was going to do all, or except say. Except all of the time since you were 11. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You've been preparing for this moment. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> nice. Was it, a pri like, a private master class? Yep. Um, we were backstage at the Tower Theater, like in the one of the like dressing rooms. Mm -hmm. And I've been I've seen so many shows at that venue, like over the years. Yeah. It's just yeah. You know, I first walked in, we just walked onto the stage. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> nice. And then just up these like windy stairs up to the to the room, and I could hear him warming up. Very cool. <laughs> and what did he teach you in person that you didn't learn from his playing? Well, another one of the surreal things, <laughs> you know, once we actually sat down to start playing, you know, before that we were just chit-chatting for like mm -hmm. half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was like, so I was trying to think of what to teach you because you're already such a great player and you have the great vibrato and great technique. And I'm like, uh... <laughs> man i could die happy right now yeah like we could just hang out i guess now yeah. if you want. so it was more 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 so than like specific techniques or anything it was kind of how he approaches the instrument and visualizes things you know, okay. certain patterns that he likes to use across the fretboard you know different ways of getting to different places okay um higher which, level like foundational yeah, things that it's really interesting to hear how he puts stuff together, I'm sure. Yeah. Cool. It was really more beneficial than, like, here's how I play this lick right. in, yeah. in this oh, song. Totally. I mean, because we kind of already figured that you out. You yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Through, he knows through the contest. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was really cool and not something you get from, you know, your typical YouTube tutorial or whatever exactly. he's doing. Next up, we've got one that began as the same instrumentation as last time and grew from there. We improvised together on guitar, flute, and djembe. Then Dave went back and multi-tracked synth bass over the whole thing and a couple other synth lines that enter halfway through to tie the whole thing together. The synths imitate the flute in a really cool and effective way partway through, so keep your ears open for that.
am by no means at all in your league of guitar playing, but I, I do play and I teach a lot of like younger kids guitar lessons. And um, I gotta say, one of the endless frustrations of mine is anytime they want to learn any song, I'm like, all right, well, we could go online. And we're going to compare the five versions, Ooh. and then I'm going to tell you how all of them are wrong, uh-huh. and then I'm going to have to waste an hour of my time rewriting this out with a version that's much closer to the original. And it's yeah. so refreshing, like, you know, because like, looking around your YouTube page, just seeing, like, a person on YouTube that shows that this is a transcription and legitimately took the time and the attention to, like, really do a genuine transcription. Like, that's... It's hard to find. As a teacher, it's so frustrating when you're like wading through the piles of muck on the internet of all these reinterpretations that they claim it's exact and it's not by any means. And yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the uh, main reasons I kind of fell into this this area. Yeah, is let's, oh no, sorry, go ahead. Is just <laughs> how... let's talk more about that. Yeah, there's no reason for me because you're already talking more about that. Oh, no. Trying to get better at interviews, people. I, it's, I like it's hard. the encouragement. <laughs> go for it. Um, just the complete inaccuracy of like all yeah. this information. Um, fake and, tabs. Yeah. <laughs> fake news tab books. Yes. <laughs> I kind of stole that from this other YouTuber, Ben Heller. Okay. But uh, <clears throat> the wrong kind of fake books. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least those aren't intended to be note for note transcriptions. Yeah. You, yeah. you kind of know what you're getting. But. Yeah, I find with a lot of these tabs, they've been around since, like, the era when people were just writing out tabs in Microsoft Word. Mm -hmm. And then people have just transferred them into, you know, PowerTab or Guitar Pro or whatever it may be. And people just assume that since they've been around so long that they're somehow accurate. And that couldn't be farther further from the (laughs) truth. Right, yeah. Um, So, like... A bunch of the songs I've transcribed, you know, just for fun or whatever, and, you know, put YouTube videos up for them, you know, I just, there are like 10 versions of this particular yep. song. I'm like, I'm not even going to look at those. <laughs> Start from scratch. I'm just going to do my own research. <laughs> I mean, we're really kind of in the golden age as far as, you know, being able to transcribe things because we have YouTube yeah. and live performance videos and mm-hmm. you know, all this great technology that I can't imagine doing it like in the 80s or 90s when a lot of these tab books were coming out where you yeah like how <laughs> what was their what was the process like back then it was just completely going by ear do you think they were working off of like separate files or was were they only listening to the mix you know what i mean like that to the best of my knowledge, I actually tracked down a guy who transcribed for Cherry Lane for like a couple years back in the like late 80s or 90s. Because he actually transcribed an album by this band Sabotage, who I'm a huge fan of. Okay. And he was like, wow, I can't believe you found me and tracked me down. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I haven't been transcribing for them for like 20 years. That's fine. But um, I was just trying to get a sense of, like, was there any coordination with the band during mm-hmm. this whole process? And there was not. Okay. Which seems to be the usual, or at least was, back then. Like, they just, I guess, would hire a transcriber. I don't even know how they decided what bands or albums they would put out books for. Yeah. Like Maybe who just... 
fan requests. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, or I was gonna say, I, I feel like one of the things that helps with the guitar, or well, like when you're trying to transcribe something, as long as you can hone in on the pitch, you're gonna narrow it down to like at most three possibilities of where this could be played. But then it's like the question of like God knows for the tone. Then you're like, all right, like that. That's where I feel like yeah, that. It's all like, the details because the positioning the is the big. Yeah. How do you how do you approach it? Like, let's first talk about go back just a little bit and talk about the competition. Did mm-hmm. you transcribe those and get all those details on paper so that you make sure you're looking at the same? That thing was the first can... thing I did, <laughs> and I think that was a gave me a huge leg up. I'm sure because you can't yeah. keep all those details in your head sometimes. Yeah, but, like. Yeah, what I would do, I would transcribe the riff, and then I would just practice it until I couldn't fail at it, pretty (laughs) much, and then just record that one. There were actually a few of the riffs that I redid a couple times. Thankfully, they allowed you to do that. Cool. Where, like, I would watch his video again and be like, oh, I didn't notice that before. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, you had already posted it? Yeah. Okay. It would be... You know, super small things that right. no one would probably ever notice. Except him. Like, yeah. exactly. <laughs> in, in this case, it really did matter. I bet. <laughs> like, it would just be, uh, you know, oh, he's pulling off these three notes instead of picking all mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, just tiny stuff like that. Or, you know, I'm always super critical of my playing. So, I think there were a couple cases where I was just like, I could probably play that a little bit cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> So, thankfully, they allowed you, you know, all the way up to the end of the contest, you could just keep Updating. redoing your videos that if you wanted to. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I feel like I got sidetracked on that. Well, let's. Uh, that was kind of just a jump back, and now we're talking about your transcriptions that you do now. And right. how did you transition sort of from that? What was the first project that you got into and actually released and... Um, well, the first officially released book that I've done was for Cynic, um, one of my absolute favorite bands. It's for their debut album, Focus, which came out in 1993. Um, one of the challenging aspects of that is with you know older music, it's generally generally was not recorded to a click mm-hmm. or you know a lot of the modern <laughs> technology we have now. So, and the guys were like in their early 20s when they recorded it. It's not like they uh, they knew what this album would be in 25 right, years, right. where yeah, it's yeah. like a a landmark album in this genre. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the, the genre specifically of? Uh, well, specifically... Specifically. This would be very, very specifically. Yes. Uh, technical death metal... Well, I really hesitate to call it death metal. They kind of started okay. out as that, like okay. deathy thrash kind of. But by the time this album came to fruition, they're really like a progressive metal band with hints of death metal and jazz fusion and even some world influences. Okay. So it's like a whole... Whole thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they really can't be pigeonholed. But you said this is their debut album? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's they, cool that they, they actually out with broke that up. Much of a developed sound. Yeah, the they one. they put out a few demos prior to this, which again were more Deathy. firmly rooted in metal. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, by the time Focus came out, it was a they were totally unlike anyone in their their genre, which was 
kind of a blessing and a curse at that time. I bet. Because as far as, you know, being on tours with, like, they toured with Cannibal Corpse okay. on that album. And uh, didn't exactly go over well with their crowd. I can see that. <laughs> but you couldn't really lump them in with anybody. Mm -hmm. And that album seems to have stood the test of time for purists, at least. Very much so, yeah. A it's, lot of others, I bet. It's been a hugely influential album, and you can hear a lot of modern metal bands who have taken uh, a page or, or ten <laughs> from that and album. how did you get started with that? Was that something that started as a labor of love? Did you... Yes. Okay, <laughs> so did you do the whole thing and then bring it to a publisher and were like, put this out, this is really good? Well, what essentially, happened? yes. Okay. But what really started it was... Um, Cynic, they had released a single a couple years ago called Humanoid. <clears throat> this was kind of after a hiatus period where the original drummer had left the band and basically no one kind of knew the future of the band, mm -hmm. if they okay. would even continue. But out of the blue, they released this single with a new drummer, the whole thing. And I was like, I'm going to transcribe this and send, see if I can send it to them. You know, I had actually, yeah kind of backtracking, I had actually transcribed little bits of one of their previous albums and sent it to Paul, who's the guitarist and kind of brainchild of the whole band. Okay. <clears throat> um, and this was during the hiatus period, so they were like, cool, you know, we'll, we'll kind of keep this in mind for the future. We yeah. don't really know <laughs> where we're headed. Um, so yeah, fast forward to the humanoid thing. I transcribed it like the day it came out, sent it to him. Eventually, after a few weeks of kind of gentle uh, <laughs> persuading or, you know, just kind of reminding him about it, uh, he got back to me. He was like, wow, this is great. It's like almost perfect. And, of course, that's that's the part I remember is almost. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn it. <laughs> it's not 100%. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to do that without when you're just going from the YouTube mix. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. I got it as close as I could possibly at that time. Um, in a, in one day. Yeah, I, I made some little little alterations over the course of those couple weeks. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah, he, he said, uh, this is great. You know, would you be interested in transcribing Focus? Well, I think first he said, you know, I may have a, a possible transcription project, you know, like, let me get back to you. Mm -hmm. So at that point, it was going to be the 25th anniversary of that record. Um, the book didn't get released in time oh. <laughs> for that 25th. We kind of missed it by a couple months. But, uh, yeah, basically, Paul and I were just working on it together without... I think we were just going to, like, try and self-publish it. Mm -hmm. You know, he would just sell it on their website or something. Mm-hmm. And then um, this company, Sheet Happens Publishing, came into the picture because Paul's good friends with, I mean, he's been in the industry for decades, so he knows all kinds of guys. And uh, a guy who plays the same company guitar as him, this headless guitar company called Strandberg, this guy Pliny, who has a bunch of books and vinyl through the company, he was like, man, you should check out Sheet Happens, see if they want to put the book out. So... Yes, I had the whole album done, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we kind of got in touch with them, and they gotcha. they really made it happen. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And how much of a team effort was it? Was it like you 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 did ninety five percent of the work and he kind of checked it over? And honestly, I remember we changed one note. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Um. <laughs> thankfully, and you and you you can't sleep at night because of that one note, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I remember it. I guess that says something. (laughs) Instead of treating it as the feather in your cap of like, the whole thing, only one note. It's like that one fucking note. Damn one note. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, what we did, I would would send him the stuff. Um, I sent it to him in a couple different ways. Like I would send him just the MIDI. Like I would export. I use Guitar Pro Mm -hmm. when I'm transcribing. Um, And Sheet Happens does all their books that way. Yeah. They give you the printed book, and then if you want the guitar profiles too, that's great because then you can you know slow stuff down, learn it at your own speed. Um, but yeah, we would we had several phone conversations, and uh, I'm trying to remember the song that was in. I think it was in uh, "Celestial Voyage," which is the second track. But it was just like this one little palm muted note that I thought was in one spot and it was in a different <laughs> <laughs> well uh, i guess that was your biggest professional failing so yeah, far huh? you know <laughs> it's not too bad then <laughs> but there the one of the fun things with that was a lot of that music so they actually disbanded after that record mm-hmm. in the mid 90s then they reunited in like 2006 or 7 <clears throat> so they were playing that music but they hadn't played it for like a decade or more. Yeah. So there are going to be things that they're playing differently than they, you know, played on the record. Right. <clears throat> and I actually technically corrected <laughs> <laughs> Paul on a few of those things. Nice. Like there were like some of these specific chord voicings that he used. And then when they, you know, reunited, he was playing them slightly differently. Like, well, we're going for, you know, note for note to the album. So that was, that was kind of funny. That is funny. (laughs) This next track is one that we kind of waffled back and forth on. It's the fifth one we improvised in our session. And there's some great material here, but it admittedly does meander somewhat too. We considered cutting it short somewhere, but there really wasn't a good place to cut or even to fade out. So we figured if you've made it this far into our show, you're probably in it for the long haul and it's worth just presenting in its entirety. So here it is. Thank you. 
Are there any more that you, um, any other <coughs> albums that you have like on the horizon? Any projects coming up or anything that yes. you can are, are allowed to talk about? Uh, unfortunately, I can't really announce anything That's yet. Um, there's a bunch that are either already done or kind of in progress. So what's the process like now? Are, are you working more with Sheet Happens or are you approaching bands like you did the last time? Yeah, I've kind of been doing it on my own, and then, like, Sheet Happens, they have quite a large roster now, Okay. and it's a, still a small company, so their schedule <laughs> and their backlog of projects may not always line up with, like, they may not be able to take on another project at, gotcha. at the sure. time. So, <clears throat> yeah, I've just kind of been doing it on my own, but thankfully... Like, as a direct result of the focus book, a guy who I had reached out prior, um, we connected on Facebook and uh, said, hey, you know, thanks for emailing me back when I had questions about this and that. He had released a book for this band, Exodus, the thrash metal band. Um, and he was like, yeah, I saw that you did the Cynic book. That's one of my favorite albums of all time. <laughs> And uh, he's like, would you be interested in, you know, transcribing some Exodus with me? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> nice. So <clears throat> it's just kind of Building had up. to get that first one yeah. under my belt and, mm -hmm. you know, prove myself. Exactly. Um, and thankfully, that's really been uh, kind of had a snowball effect. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you, you got a good heavy hitter in there, it seems like, <laughs> first and had some laurels to rest on. A little bit, <laughs> which is nice. Um, before we talk about what we're going to make, we, we got to wrap up pretty soon and actually make some music. Now cool. I feel the pressure in the interview. Normally it's like we can sit back and like, <laughs> we got it in the bag, but now we got to actually do stuff after this. Um, so I just before we talk about what we're going to make, I want to talk a little bit about labels and subgenres mm. and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, what, do you, what in your mind is the defining, or defining characteristic like to make something specifically metal? What what is it, or is it just you know it when you hear it? And then as far as the subgenres go, I know you can go really far, and there's all these different categories. Is it worth it? Do people get crazy about that in a bad way? In your opinion, what do you think? I think I'll take the easier part first, which okay. is whether whether there is value <laughs> to a lot of these labels, and to an extent, yes. But for example, a band like Cynic. You could, you could drill down and to a really fine point, and say what I said. You know, technical mm -hmm. metal with this and this and that. Mm -hmm. Or you could just go broadly, and I would call them progressive rock slash metal. Okay. <laughs> They're really more of a progressive rock band now. Um, yeah, I don't know that that really does much. Like people put too much stock in it. Yeah, kind of. Um, Ska is sort of the same way. Like, uh, there's a lot of different nuance and talk about tempos and different feels <laughs> and stuff. Like, but it's... <laughs> what DOG? Anyway, DOG has something to say about it. He doesn't care for it. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't care well. for the labels. All right, still here. All right, cool. <laughs> little guy. <clears throat> So, so as far as just the overarching genre of metal, do you have anything, any way to pin that down? How, how, how would you describe it if someone had never heard of it before? 
Yes. <laughs> I think the first thing that came to my mind, you know, just trying to think of the, you know, your question was just powerful riffs. Okay. Powerful riffs. Um, heavy, powerful riffs. Does it have to be guitar-based? Mm. Is there any metal out there that's not? That's a great question. Uh, I would say... I can't really think of any. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So it's source in some ways defined by the instrumentation and heaviness of the riffs. Yeah, I mean... Okay. If I had more time to think about it, I'm sure I could I'm come up with about a more like, nuanced answer. Yeah. But... And I, I think the guitar work does have a huge amount to do with it. Like, I'm thinking, like, differentiating between hard rock and hardcore and metal mm. is... Those are pretty vastly different genres if you're in it but might seem the same to people on the surface right yeah they they think oh it's just a bunch of noise right yeah yeah <laughs> oh, i hate that when people say like it's not music uh, that's yeah. one thing that gets to me well it's it's also probably like how much is it tied to um like for lack of a better word like cultural aspect because like i feel like within each of those music genres there's a different like culture around it of like right. artwork and clothing and general ethos of what the music is serving. Yeah. yeah and even message. Yeah. I was just thinking like when you mentioned hardcore, like that. that's generally a more political, politically themed genre. Whereas not to say there isn't political metal, you know, there's plenty of that. Like even bands like Megadeth, they were always talking about, you know, political issues, but I'd say in general, yeah, it's more, yeah, there's so many subgenres. So like, you have the kind of fantasy metal that's all about like Tolkien and shit. <laughs> <clears throat> but then you have the more political, socially conscious metal, and then there's just so many, <laughs> yeah, so many well, branching branching paths there. Okay, so that it seems like a good time to say, what kind of music do you think we should make today? We've got we've got one project that we need to do, which is our theme song. We always do a different version of our theme song. Um, we're going to do some improvising, of course, and we can do some speed composing, but I don't know. The, the audience doesn't usually get a glimpse into this, <laughs> but this is my first, uh, first time asking on the show, I think. We, we've got two multi-instrumentalists here. Dave plays drums, guitar, bass. I play drums, guitar, bass, ukulele, winds. What are your, what are your thoughts initially? I have no preconceptions on this. <laughs> All right. I think we're just going to... You know, we're going to get together. Pick up our happens. instruments, see what happens. Okay. Then uh, that's what you guys must have heard all this episode. Hope you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to uh, wrap up or um, talk about before we play? I think we covered all the main stuff. that I'm, I'm ready to play. Let's, Same. Let's go play. And we'll leave you with two final improvisations in contrasting styles today. The first is a peaceful and flowing one with me on flute, Dave on bass this time, and Evan once again on guitar. The second one is fast and frantic and based on little chromatic fragments. And Dave switched to drum set for this one.
Thank you so much for listening to Sean and Dave Make Music. And huge thanks goes out to our guest, Evan. If you like what you heard from him today, go ahead and check out his YouTube page linked in the show notes. And especially if you want to hear him shred in some metal contexts, since we really didn't do that at all today, and he really can melt some faces. Uh, Please also don't forget to subscribe to our show, and please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. And what else do you have to do anyway? Uh, If you'd like to collaborate for next time and be part of the fun, let us know what kind of music we should make. Email us at seananddavemakemusic at gmail.com or send us a message on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. See you next month.
Thank you.